BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. On this edition of the Cubs Talk podcast, Jeff Nelson of our Cubs content team and I, David Kaplan, we talk about Chris Bryant. We talk about the Cubs potential lineup on opening day. And what are realistic concerns for the 2020 Cubs assembled by Theo and Jet? Let's play two. Back, 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 back. Way back, it might be, it could be, it is. Holy cow! The fly, he scores! Cubs win, Cubs win! Welcome to another edition of our award-winning Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by our great corporate partners at Wintrust, home of Cubs Checking with the head of our Cubs content team, our great producer, Jeff Nelson. I'm David Kaplan. Almost Tony there, Gill Cap. is at the dials. Almost there, Cap. One week from today, pitchers and catchers will be on the field in Mesa. It's incredible. I mean, the winter, there's been so much going on this winter, I just haven't been able to keep track of all the Cubs stuff, so I think... Okay, I'm caught up now. Good. Yeah, we're going to need scorecards for all the yeah. new players that are in here. <laughs> Not. Okay, so here's my thought. And I understand that the Chris Bryant grievance hamstrung the front office. I get it. I understand it. I don't have to like it. All I know is that Theo had a combined 152 minutes of postseason press conferences the last two falls after the season ended prematurely. And... This year it was, it's reckoning, it's, you know, we're going to value production more than potential. We've seen nothing in two off-seasons, basically. I think, nothing. Yeah, I think that's the most disappointing thing is that you, after what Theo said the day after they got eliminated, we thought, okay, change is coming, change is coming, we can see it coming, and just nothing happened, and nothing happened. And like you said, the Chris Bryant thing completely... I, it handcuffs Theo and Jed for whatever they wanted to do. They couldn't – no team would, would make an offer without knowing what they're going to get, which is completely understandable. But I would would have thought that maybe they would have been a little more aggressive than on something else on another front. Maybe Wilson, maybe trying to get rid of some – Swarber maybe. Maybe if you're looking for a wrecking and all that, it just seems like more than – what nothing okay. pretty much. How about a dose of honesty for everybody out there? Okay, this is what I believe is going on. And we can get to the article I wrote on Chris Bryant and the grievance and all that last week. Um, uh, From talking with people I trust in the game, and the Cubs don't want to hear this, and fans are going to be triggered, and they're going to flood my inbox, and I'm okay with that. Don't shoot the messenger. People in the game aren't as high on Chris Bryant as fans are, as the media might be. And the reason that they're struggling 
to figure out what they're going to do is his name is Chris Bryant. They feel like we have got to get a justifiable haul back to make the trade. But some of the people that I get to talk to in the game say, good player. You want what for him? And we're supposed to take on all $43 million of his arbitration awards for the next two years? No, not going to happen. And on top of it, his agent, Scott Boris, who's one of the best in all of sports, wants how much? $250 million and a full no trade and a contract that will take him to age 35, 36, 37, somewhere in there. And so some of these guys on other teams are telling me, yeah, we like Chris, but he's not the violent offensive impact guy he was in 2015 and 16. Yeah, we're good. If you want to trade him, we'll make you a fair deal. If you think you're going to get a haul to restart your organization, not going to happen. I, that's as, just being honest. As a cuff fan, that's, that is kind of difficult to hear because this is a guy who was Rookie of the Year, mm-hmm. MVP the following year, College, player, college of player of the Year. I mean, probably should arguably should have been the number one pick after what the Astros screwed up. But to see, and we and maybe we're a Regency bias. We're, we've seen pretty much him grow up and play his entire career. Maybe we value him a little bit more. Although I, I still would put him in. The, I mean, he's still probably what top fifty in the game overall. Oh, absolutely. absolutely, maybe top thirty. Even. So I argued with Chris Campgar, research guy. Yeah, and Chris feels he's like a top twelve, top fifteen guy. I don't, and I love Chris. He's a really good guy to deal with. I love watching him play. Uh, he hit some amazing home runs in that postseason run that gave us what you and I coveted as Cubs fans, that championship in 2016 in Cleveland. Um, But when I broke down the numbers and I went through and said, okay, would I take Chris or that guy? Chris or that guy? If you don't include pitchers, he's like 30th among position players. If you add in pitchers, he's like a top 40 guy. Are you paying a top 40 player? $250 $250 million, which is what he's looking for. Yeah, so, yeah based on the market, And he's 28, yeah. so he's looking for somewhere around a seven-year deal, all guaranteed, with a full no trade. If I'm the Cubs, I'm not doing that. Yeah, and I mean, the numbers are there because you saw what Arenado got the last offseason, too, so now anybody's... You're going to compare it to Arenado, who is arguably probably a better player, obviously a better he defender. He got 260. Got 260. So that's the benchmark in that. You could argue Arenado's numbers, his splits between Coursefield in a way are quite different. So maybe Coursefield plays in a factor there, but what he can make up for defense is incredible, and what he brings is incredible. Brian has the benefit of being able to play a lot of different positions, and you could plug him in wherever you want. If you already have a third baseman, Chris can go to the outfield. It's not going to absolutely kill you in the outfield there. I understand with Theo, there could be a reluctance to want to trade him just if you go back and if other teams aren't thinking the way Cub fans do of what Chris Bryant is worth, if they want to go out and make a deal and get what is the best offer out there, which is what they do, the Hall's got if if it's not what up to Cub fan standards, they're going to say, "Oh, now you're just giving up again. Now you're trading away everything for nothing." You this, I mean, you thought the outrage was bad the last couple of years. You get Brian for something that may five years from now be okay. If it's not a headline grabbing thing, that's going to be tough for a lot of Cub fans to swallow. See, Cub fans are going to compare this trade to the Bulls Jimmy Butler deal. 
Did they make a good trade for Jimmy Butler? Well, they were between a rock and a hard place. They weren't going to give him a supermax deal of north of $200 million. And so they got what they could get. Zach's a nice player. Zach Levine. Chris Dunn. Okay. Lowry Markinen. We don't know. So you look at it, you go, boy, now Jimmy's killing it in Miami. How could you not have made a better trade? Well, you can only make what the market's willing to give you. So flip that to the Cubs. And as I keep investigating this, I have guys telling me, yeah, we'll make you a fair trade because the, they know the Cubs aren't giving him $250 million. They know the Cubs aren't giving a full no trade. They know they're not going to be able to re-sign him in two years. So you better take what we're offering you or you're going to get nothing. And every day you wait, once the season commences, is one day less that you have Chris Bryant playing for someone else where the value stays high. So maybe knowing that, knowing other teams know that Theo and Jed are coming from a position of weakness, that everybody's just going to try to take advantage, get the best deal that they can. Correct. Let's change focus. Let's keep, okay, say, let's keep him. Let's maybe focus on moving another piece because we've painted, they've painted themselves in a corner with Chris Bryant that the market isn't going to be what they had hoped okay. to get. Okay, when you say let's keep him, is this team as currently constructed good enough to win the World Series? I would say probably, no. Probably not, but you get into the play. Is it good enough to make the playoffs? Not a wild card, but are they good enough to win the division? Maybe. I would say maybe, yeah. But And then you get into a past the wild card, which is a one-game crapshoot, when you go up against a hot pitcher or you're stud for the whole year, just doesn't have it that day and you're out. You go into a three-game series and now maybe, say, Hendricks and Darvish are dealing – You've got two great pitchers there. A pitching could carry you through a three-game series in that. Okay, so let's assume they don't win the World Series. Then what do you do after this season? Now you've got one year of control. You're going to get less than you would have gotten if you traded him now, and you didn't win the World Series in 2020. So now you go into the final year, and you make even a worse deal because you have less control, and then you say, well, we're hanging in the race, so let's hang on to him. And then he walks, and all he gets a draft pick. And you think, oh my God, we just let the MVP of the World Series team, we knew we couldn't re-sign him two and three years ago, and now we got a draft pick back. That is a recipe for disaster. So basically we're saying we should, should, probably should have traded Chris Bryant last offseason. Correct. After 2018. Well, here, here's my other thought. That, but they weren't, I mean, at that point you're one bad game, you're a... September collapse and a Milwaukee Brewers team getting hotter than you've ever seen away from having to play game 163 where you couldn't do anything. Don't disagree with you, but sometimes you you look at Joe Madden. I maintain, and he's been an amazing manager, and he won the World Series. They knew without a shadow of a doubt, and they could tell me they didn't, and I'll tell them they're, they're not being truthful with themselves, they knew that Joe Madden was gone at the end of 2019. I think everybody in Chicago knew that, though. Then why not fire him prior to 2019, move on, and start your rebuild with three years of team control and a new manager? You spun your wheels in 2019 knowing full well, I'm just kicking the can six months down the road. That I mean, you're going to fire the... I, I understand it. I understand it, but... From the other side, is you're going to fire the guy who won the first World Series in 108 years, two years after 
Okay, so I fired him three years. Three years. I, it's just, and you did, technically didn't fire me. And you, when he, you asked could just for, say we walked away, and that's that way. I mean, it was a cleaner break that way. You, at, we, you okay, now here's he another fired, thing. Another so. dose of honesty. A very well-known agent who knows all the inner workings said to me last week when I was doing some reconnaissance on the Chris Bryant article that you can read on NBCSportsChicago.com and on the My Teams app. Excellent article. Thank you. He said, just let's be clear here. He said, I heard you say on TV and radio that the Cubs fired Joe Madden. He said, that's not an accurate statement. I said, yes, they did. They refused to give him an extension. He said, Joe Madden fired them. He was leaving. He wanted out. He did not feel like this was a marriage that could continue. He likes those guys. But this thing is going in one direction. Joe was going in another, and Joe wasn't coming back here, and that's a fact. Right, and that's something Joe had alluded to the last day down in St. Louis, saying it's got a, it's a two way street. Mm-hmm. He had to want to come back. I mean, pretty much he, I mean, he had his pick of any job that was available, and probably if he wanted a job that where somebody had a manager in place and he really wanted to go there, I'm sure the t- team would have made the made some changes, just like the Cubs did back in before 2015. But yeah, it's as a Cub fan, I'm having, and I brought this up on the podcast before. I don't want to be looked at 50 years from now as those fans ran off Joe Madden out of town and then may end up running Theo Epstein out of town. The guys who broke this 108 year drought, what were they doing? You had a Hall of Fame manager, Hall of Fame front office guy who's broken the Red Sox and the Cubs curse, and will probably break a curse for a team in Las Vegas when they put their he'll go there and run them in the ground. And we're not satisfied with that, which is great. We should not be satisfied with, oh, we won 80 games this year. That's great. But to run off two guys like that and just the way it's heading is not right. It just doesn't seem like history will look kind on this section of Cub fans and no, how they feel. it doesn't and feel right. Like, I think Theo's brilliant. I think Jed's brilliant. I do. And what they did... To turn around where we were from early 2011s when... We're sitting here doing pregame and postgame shows, and instead of watching the game that's on the field, we're sitting around your computer watching my, the Tennessee my minor Smokies. league yeah. baseball TV subscription. We would literally sit in the newsroom, you, me, and Todd Hollinsworth, around my desk. We would eat our dinner. I'll never forget it. And the Cubs game's on. we got to do the postgame show on, and we're like, yeah, whatever. They stink. We, <laughs> we are watching the Tennessee Smokies. Class A, Addison Russell's down there, Kyle Schwarber, and all of a sudden, all these guys explode on the scene and the Cubs win the World Series. It will be sad. I fully believe Theo's out of here after the 21 season, and I think a rebuild will be in the offing, and I think he's trying to jumpstart that process now. I think it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. It's, and it's just unsatisfying because... Six years ago, we would have been all in for win one, and whatever happens, happens. Right. I asked that question on the air. Yeah. Would you take 10 straight last-place finishes if I told you I'm giving you a guarantee that you're going to win the World Series? And the poll results were like 78%. Yes. Absolutely. Give me one, and I don't care. As soon as they got one, they did care. Yeah, you get greedy. You You get get a taste of it and that. And you realize what other cities have gone through and other teams have gone through. They've built... Success that sustains itself. It isn't just you peak once in the night, you go down to the valleys for a while. It's to get to that level, and that's I think that's what we all thought we were getting. We well, saw so many young guys on the roster. Right. That, see, it wasn't like 
You caught lightning in a bottle and four 38-year-olds had career years. You had the youngest team in the game. And the youngest team in the game won the World Series and won 103 games. And here we are in 2020 going, oh my goodness. Who's in their bullpen? What's their rotation going to be? What's the Who's starting their leadoff lineup? man? Yeah. Like, before we wrap this up, what is the starting lineup a week out? Um, okay, I know that as of today, Contreras catches and Caratini backs him up. We know Rizzo's at first, Bryant's at third, Baez at short. <laughs> right. But that could change. Yeah. Schwarber's in left, Hayward's in right because Maybe. Castellanos is gone. Who's in center? Yeah, you're relying on, at this point, a split of Albert Elmore and Ian Happ. Which it hasn't uh, worked out. Has, has not worked. Yeah, history says second? not your time. Ro- Robel Garcia, Daniel Descalso, or Nico Horner. Those are your three options. Okay, who's your leadoff hitter? That's that's a good question. I don't want Hap. Okay. I don't want Elmora. Do you put Nico Horner who's played twenty games in the majors? Throw him in there just because there is no other option. Who's your number five starter? You got your choices. Chatwood. I would say. I, I really like Chatwood out of the bullpen last year, and based on all the bullpen struggles that they've had, to put him in there as maybe the eighth inning guy, maybe the guy you – I didn't never thought I'd say this – the guy you bring in in a high-leverage situation, even if it's in the fifth or sixth, to get out. Then who's your fifth starter? Then who's your fifth starter? Alec you, Mills? Alec, you got Alec Mills now, or Alzale. I don't know if you can trust that. Do you go – Split them up, kind of like when Alzale was up okay, last so, year. Go three and three. So in the middle of the window to win a World Series again, right, you have yep. two years left. You're starting Kyle Hendricks. I'm good with that. You Darvish, if he's the you Darvish of the second half, I'm good with that. John Lester coming off one of his worst years. Jose Quintana had an ERA over 11 in the month of September, and we've all admitted they wouldn't make that trade again for Aloy and Dylan Cease and two more prospects. Enjoy that. White Sox fans and thanks, Cubs. You got a hole at number five, right. which is that's not, a it, team that thinks they can win the World Series. It's not no that chance. unusual for teams to have no holes shot. at number five, though. Finding a, if finding the fifth starter going into the camp is but it usually, is when you're spending two hundred and ten million dollars. That's where the money's allocated. So, wait, so Darvish is twenty some. Hayward's 27. Lester's 25. Lester's 25, which is the last year of the deal, which I think when Lester signed, everybody knew. Everybody thought, okay, we're going to, this is a great deal for years one, two, three. Years four, five, and six, we're really regretting it, but we'll live with it if one, two, and three work out. One, two, and three worked out. John was really good in four, started falling off a little bit in five. I He's not your number one right now. You, it's I would think Darvish would get the opening day start, but maybe it's Lester just because Lester has sign of respect. Out uh, of respect, yeah, give Lester one more thing. But I mean, think you, so. You knew going in, Lester would be going down. Wouldn't be your number one for all six years. Quintana is your number four, which is that's what it, I, it's, we can go on for four, four other podcasts about that deal, which I'm, Thanks, I'm sure Sox. we've had. Thanks, Sox, yeah. But I mean, having a number five starter as a question mark is not the worst thing in the world. If I'm sure other, I'm sure the Astros are questioning that too. The Red Sox. Who are you handing the ball to in a high leverage situation? Up three to one in the eighth. Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, exactly. He was a great reliever. Yeah, I that's mean, the, again, that's the because Rowan Wick, Brad Wick. I mean, there is no yeah. I just don't know. Jeremy Jeffers at this point now is Ryan Tapira. 
for lack of any other arms, that's why I'm thinking maybe you put Chatwood just because Chatwood showed last year in a small sample size that he was able he was able to overcome the wildness issues that he had back in 2018 and could do good. And and, and he throws hard. He throws in the mid 90s, yeah, which just, is great. So I would put him as a second. And then okay, you get through in the eighth, and, and whoever you choose. Okay, good. We got through the eighth. Oh, good. Craig Kimbrell's coming out of the bullpen now. Right. That worked out so well for us last year too. Right. And that's and another you owe him million. sixteen million this year. It's sixteen million at twenty-one. So my point is, as we wrap this up, they got a lot of questions that have to be answered in an affirmative way if that team is going to contend to go to the World Series. And if it's not, then you got to take what you can get for Chris Bryant and whoever else you move. Get under the luxury tax, reset your penalties, and move on. But on the bright side. One week from today, pitchers and catchers will be on the field. That is That's, correct. Get, that'll get you through the next seven days. No I know question. It's been, it, yeah, I I need to just go through all that, but just visualize pitchers and catchers on the field in a week. You'll feel a little better. Yep, I'll be there in a month, and I can't wait. Great. All right, Nelly, thank you. Thanks, Cap. All right, for Jeff Nelson, for Tony Gill, who runs all the podcasts here at NBC Sports Chicago, I'm David Kaplan. This was our Cubs Talk podcast. Brought to you by our great partners at Wintrust, home of Cubs Checking. See you next time.